predation. These will be subject to de-emphasis. These will be subject to de-evolution. New evolutionary paradigm will give us the human traits of truth, of loyalty, of justice, of freedom. These will be the manifestations of the new evolution. And that is what we would hope to see from this. Welcome to another episode of The Esoteric Negro. Today our guest is Jason Miller. Jason has been practicing practical magic for over 30 years. And today we spoke about his book, Financial Sorcery, which I feel like everyone uh, is interested in finances right now. So we thought this would be a great time to sit down and discuss this. But we also discussed uh, spirit work, amongst other things. Um, It was a really cool interview and uh, we hope you enjoy the episode. Uh, Thank you for (laughs) doing this today. I I read the book about um, financial sorcery. Oh, good. And I think that, for, well, first of all, I want you to introduce yourself to everyone. I always think it's cooler if the guest does it. So I think you should just, you know, really quickly just tell everyone who you are, Jason. <laughs> all right. Yeah. So my name is Jason Miller and I have written a bunch of books about magic my sixth one is just off to the publisher now, but uh, I teach courses online. Strategic sorcery is where you'll find me. Mm-hmm. I've been initiated into a bunch of stuff and involved in a bunch of stuff over the last 30 years, but I don't like to focus on that kind of thing because ultimately it, it only really matters if you can do magic or not and teach magic or not. There are plenty of people who have initiations and papers from here and there who honestly can't do much. So Mm -hmm. there are people who don't have any of that that can do amazing things. So I try to uh, just put the focus on the actual doing of stuff. I love that. I love the idea of, yeah, I feel like a a lot of times in the book you talk, well, you talked about a lot of things in the book. And the first thing that I noticed was you mentioned something about, and this is true with creatives and not just people in the occult or the magic, you know, the, the community is that how there's a lot of financial struggle, right? And especially now, everything's been kind of turned on its head. So I think that's why I kind of wanted to focus on this. And you talk about what also talked about what real wealth is and one thing I've noticed, and I'm totally guilty of this too, is doing, trying to manifest money very quickly in desperate situations. And so in the book, you kind of line out something that's more, you're trying to talk about how to create, more more about creating opportunities and long lasting wealth, right? Yeah. So I want you to kind of talk, like, just walk us through that a little bit. Well, you know, a lot of the suffering that people are going through right now because of the pandemic is, you know, you can have the best laid plan in the world and something like this happens and, you know, the rug is just pulled out from under you. So, you know, I mean, I'm very fortunate that I work from home doing this so I wasn't directly affected uh, as much as other people. But certainly if I was... I could have been at the top of my field in another 
uh, scenario and suddenly found myself without. So if people are out there and you're sort of like financially floundering because of the pandemic, Mm -hmm. the first thing is, you know, figure out if it's a temporary thing because things won't always be this way and things will bounce back. They may look differently than they did before, but you know, these kind of adjustments and things happen. But so I guess what I'm saying is you can, you can have like the greatest plan in the world, but when, when the country shuts down, <laughs> yeah, exactly. there's, you know, you, you can only do so much, but it's, it's true. I do. I wrote financial sorcery basically at the beginning of my own financial awakening. Cause I, I came up in the, in the nineties, the slacker gen X nineties where, and, and as a magician, as an occultist, I don't know, we always looked upon material things as sort of anti-spiritual kind of taking Mm -hmm. that counterculture vibe from the sixties. Yeah. And you know, that kind of thing is cool in your twenties and it gets less cool in your thirties. And when you're sort of like, actually sleeping on couches is not all that fun. And, And when I travel, I think I'd like a nice hotel room and uh, and then when you introduce kids into the mix and you start looking down the barrel of, you know, well, I'm 30, I'm 35, and mm-hmm. I can already feel like my body isn't quite as nimble as it used to be. But geez, I could I could retire at 70 and have another 30, 35 years ahead of me. So maybe a little planning is in order. Mm-hmm. And so that that kind of hit me around the time I had kids and I decided to get very serious about money and unlearn a lot of the really just stupid and painful things that that we have said in the magical pagan community about money and unlearn a lot of that and and get right get well, either master money or it masters you. And and you can you can definitely decide to be a non-materialistic person, like have a non-materialistic spirituality. Like that's valid. Mm-hmm. But it's only valid if you're really doing it. So people that are really doing it, they go to monasteries or convents or they become wandering yogis. You know, I know a guy who went and he got all this wilderness training and survival training. And then he's like, all right, I'm done with you guys. I'm, I'm off the grid living, you know, off the land and God bless it. That's, that's like taking it seriously. But what I was doing as I'm thumbing my nose at, you know, people who have uh, corporate jobs and things uh, in the nineties, I'm working just as long as hours as they are, but I'm getting paid next to nothing. And I'm sitting around the coffee house talking about how (laughs) non-materialist and spiritual I am. Meanwhile, the moment any little thing goes wrong, I'm obsessed with how to fix it. Hmm. And, you know, I got I got raised on on kind of 
garbage ideas like don't enchant for money, enchant for the things that money can buy you. Mm. Very popular idea still and totally a garbage way to think about money and life. Mm -hmm. Because I'll tell you, you'll never be less obsessed with money than if you have enough to fix the problem when your car dies. Yeah. <laughs> like, like if, you know, the last time I had a car problem, I was like, oh, that sucks. I guess, you know, I'll take it to the dealership and they'll fix it. And that's that as opposed to, you know, oh my God, how am I going to enchant my way to just enough money to get the car fixed and, and no more. So it's, I'm, I'm a big fan of deciding whether you're going to be whether you're going to incorporate materialism into your spiritual world or if you're really going to do the anti-materialist thing and go run off and live off the grid or or be a monk or a nun and then taking it seriously it's too powerful not to take seriously right it just kicks the shit out of anybody that that doesn't take it seriously it's like you have to you have to, it's feral, you know, you have to, you have to tame it or avoid it. There's no, there's no middle ground with money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's, there's no middle ground. I used to, I was used to listen to Elizabeth Gilbert's podcast and she talked about how, how her advice was, you know, a lot of artists and creatives and I've, I've been through this and this is a similar, I guess, analogy, I guess, uh, where, she said, if you have to, in between jobs, you might have to go work for the man for a little bit to be comfortable. You know, you cannot necessarily rely on whatever you're doing in the beginning to take care of all your needs, you know, and it's well, she was talking about like the needlessly suffering that we put ourselves through sometimes that's unnecessary, you know, and it, it becomes it becomes like a badge of honor. Mm right? Like it becomes a badge of honor. And it, you know, in a way it's important for people to feel good about themselves or not down about themselves and, and where they are. And I think it comes from that. But at the same time, if the badge of honor becomes like, you know, and now I hate everyone that has money or I hate the idea of money, or if you have money, mm -hmm. you must be one of these like creepy predatory people. Cause how else would you get it? Uh, mm -hmm. That I think is destructive because yes. I mean, ultimately I can do a lot more good money. My friend Fabeku likes to say money just turns the volume up on things. Like if you're a garbage person, then sure. It's going to turn the volume up on, on how much of a garbage person you are. But if you're a decent person and you're trying to do some good in the world, then it just turns the volume up on that. And then in the book, you also talk about, I've never even thought about this. Like I, I of course, like I'm, I was talking to the same thing with Mitch when he was on about um, how I guess with money and spirituality, I was very opposed to it because I grew up under the prosperity gospel <laughs> evangelical thing and so yeah. when i finally kind of like left and didn't really associate with myself with that anymore i was just like anytime anybody brings up money and spirituality they're con man but really like i it wasn't up until the last two years i or actually living here where i thought okay 
maybe it's just not giving money to other, you know, to a institution and there's nothing wrong with men of trying to create opportunities for yourself and using magic to do that. But how, right? So, but in the book, you talk about money being a spirit, which is fascinating to me. I didn't even know. I mean, I didn't, I never thought about it like that. So I'd like for you to talk to us a little bit about money being a spirit. You know, I, I, I totally get you on, on the, the prosperity gospel thing, the, you know, Creflo a dollar mm-hmm. kind of approach to, to money and spirituality. And it's distasteful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and the, the secret approach and the manifesting, mm-hmm just you know what you believe that kind of thing it it's it becomes like this cycle of like oh well if this is you know if we all manifest our positive thoughts then maybe i'm just negatively thinking myself into poverty but how to you know and none of that is 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 real people have real problems uh that are not because they think about them you know so yeah, but it's money is just like anything else. There there is a spirit to it, a a behavior to it. And whether it's a spirit like a god of money, things behave in certain ways. Right. And so whether you want to attribute like a a godlike presence and sentience which i don't necessarily mm-hmm. but i also believe that the entire world is is conscious that the entire world is aware and mm-hmm. and so in a way there are everything that we conceive of has spirit mm-hmm. to it and and develop certain behaviors and and attributes and you know this is if you if you learn to move money if you learn to value money hmm. you start to get more opportunities to get more of it right, hmm. it, right. if you and some of this is just basically about where you put your awareness i was just reading a study uh, recently about people who consider themselves lucky and people who consider themselves unlucky. And they did a study where basically they set up a coffee house where there was a $5 bill outside the coffee house. And there was a guy inside who was a business guy, man who was ready to hire people into positions that, that I guess the subjects of this study would be interested mm-hmm. in. And the people who went into the study who reported that they felt like they were lucky people, they all found the $5 bill on the ground and they all sat next to this businessman and struck up a conversation. The people that were marked themselves as unlucky people, like they didn't feel like they had any real streak of luck in their lives, they missed the $5 bill. And while they sat next to the guy because they probably had too many seats next to that guy none of them struck up a conversation with him Hmm. now is that really some kind of x factor of luck or is that just if we see ourselves 
as a person who can do these things and, and who attracts these things, we naturally are on the lookout for them, right? Mm. We see what we look out for. And so when it comes to when it comes to money and opportunities like this, I think there's a lot of people out there and creatives know this too. Like people mm. will walk around with an idea in their head, right? Mm. And they'll nurse that idea and they'll almost be afraid to pull the trigger on that idea because what if that's the only idea? Mm. Right? Like if I put this down and I make a book or a movie or 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 anything and like that's my big idea, but that's not how it works. Like yeah. you actually have to get that stuff out of your head and into the world. And what happens? Boom, new idea. Right. Because there's Elizabeth Gilbert. She talked about as soon as, you know, she gets these things out and then new ideas come. Mm -hmm. And if she doesn't do anything with them, then eventually they leave. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of like that with money. If you start, if you pull the trigger on something, be it working for somebody else or look starting your own business mm -hmm. you start to see more and more opportunities not less and less that's why there are so many serial entrepreneurs they start a business and maybe that business fails mm -hmm. but they even at the end of that failure they see like three more opportunities that they never saw ahead of time mm -hmm. it's it's an interesting phenomena but if you treat money with respect, if you treat money like you like it, like you like having it, like it's not the 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 evil that you have to deal with, that you're holding right. your nose and dealing with because you don't like those people with money. Mm. When I wrote this book, and, and obviously the book focuses a lot on, on Jupiter, the planet Jupiter and the, and the powers of Jupiter and and whatnot. And a lot of people, even another author wrote and like, you know, I don't like Jupiter. Jupiter is the planet of, of the patriarchs. P Jupiter is the planet of the, the rich wall street assholes that are destroying the world. And Ooh. I was sort of like, no, that's, that's Pluto. We literally call those people plutocrats because yeah, exactly. they, they hoard wealth. Pluto yeah hoarded the wealth in the ground in the mm -hmm. underworld. Mm -hmm. Jupiter and Juno Moneta, which is, you know, where we get the word money from, was Juno Moneta is printed at her temple. Jupiter and Juno distribute wealth. They are the they are about good governance. They're mm -hmm. about not not distribution in the sense of like a Marxist distribution, but they're about distribution in the sense of let's make things run smoothly. Let's guarantee as many, as much, you know, happiness and security as we can while maintaining society, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm all about that. Me too. I mean, I don't operate in those rarefied levels, but certainly by harnessing the powers of Jupiter I, I was now able to generate a life way better than I ever considered possible. Mm. And, and a lot of my students now are, are able to report the same thing. So in that sense, the proof is in the pudding. Yeah. It's always been my favorite planet. And 
I think I like what you said about people that consider them because I've always considered myself. It's interesting. I've always considered myself kind of a lucky person because I'll find money or, you know, just like and even like at times where I haven't or I've been like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? How am I going to, you know, like losing your debit card randomly before the days of, you know, that kind of thing. And then I'll find like $20 somewhere. You know what I mean? Yep. Like those things I always, and I always try to keep that attitude. And what you're, you know, what we were talking about earlier, this idea that, you know, we can also not set, we can, not only can we self-sabotage ourselves creatively by not taking action, we can self-sabotage ourselves financially by not taking action and having respect for money, right? And sometimes, you know, looking at money, again, when you, when you say respect, I'm assuming that you mean to, you know, not to treat it frivolously in a way, you know, and we, we're not talking about like not treating yourself, but we mean like, I mean, I'm sure you mean in a way that's uh, going to keep that expansion going. If, if I'm on to something. Yeah, ab absolutely. So I was like you, I, I was a lucky person. I could always skate by no matter mm -hmm. what the situation was. I could always skate by. Mm -hmm. And like I said, when I was younger and I had a head full of sort of slacker mentality and, and you know, I don't want to be like those ordinary people just obsessed mm -hmm. with, with wealth and things like that. Mm -hmm. And so my luck manifested in just as much money as needed to scrape by. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, like I said, it gets old. It gets, yeah. when you get older, it gets old. And if you yeah. start taking on responsibility for caring for other people, it gets really old. Yeah. And I, I was, I've always, my whole life, I've tried to be the youngest and most inexperienced person in the room. Mm. So I've always tried to seek out people that were older and knew more. And because of that, I got to know a lot of people in in the witchcraft and occult community that came up in the 60s and early 70s. Okay. And so as I'm sort of making my way up, I'm watching these people sort of, you know, settle into their golden years. Mm -hmm. And it was not pretty. I mean, it was it was a lot of pain. It was a lot of like, yeah, okay, I'm scraping by, but the scraping by is painful. Yes. The scrape, you know, the scraping by is is not fun. Like sleeping on couches all year long as I travel to make just enough money to make it to the next destination when all I really want to do is take a rest is not fun. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of, you know, I, I looked around and I got to see people up close and I was like, F that ass. Like, that's, like, that's, that's, that's not a healthy way to be like. Right. And so I was just like, yeah, there's got to be a better way. Got to be a different way to, to go about this money magic thing. And uh, so that's what I wanted to do. That's what I set out to do. And, and, you know, I, I think, um, we're going good. I've, I've got a, a Jupiter Juno class that I'll be announcing soonish coming up. 
uh, but I, I don't have a date yet. It was supposed to be spring equinox, but maybe a little longer because I just mm -hmm. finished a book on spirits. So that that took a lot out of me. But uh, yeah, no, the, the respecting money, it is. It's not treating it frivolously, but it's more than anything. It's it's just about making room for it in your life as something you want in your life. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. It's it's about not treating it as this this necessary evil. Yes. You treat it as one of the good things that you'd like more of. Right? And right. so if you want more of something, then you take care of something. Mm -hmm. And you the irony is is that you often want other people to have that too. Mm -hmm. And so that's the that's kind of the misconception I think a lot of people have um that that like people with money don't want to share their secrets. My mm -hmm. god no. Like the first thing you should do is is find some friends that have money because they will love to talk about it. Yeah. They will hook you up with their financial advisors. They'll mm -hmm. be like, you know, and this is what I did for retirement and oh my god, you can save so much on taxes if you open up a set and and so all these kinds of things yeah you get into that mentality and the thing is it doesn't become an obsession like if you people will 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 be like well if you if magic is real why aren't you one of the wealthiest people on earth right mm -hmm. and so that's sort of like well that's because the wealthiest people on earth they love money. Like money is the center of their world. It probably mm -hmm. always has been. They love money like I love magic. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so that's kind of, and if that's the thing, then great. You know, that that's fine. Just as long as you're doing something good with it. But if you love magic, incorporating money as something good into your world isn't going to make you less spiritual. It's just going to make you more able to take time off to do a spiritual retreat. It's going to give you uh, the ability to take a class that you want to take or go on pilgrimage somewhere. So those are the kinds of things you're that money can do. You know, I mean, I'm not, I don't really I always I always tell people make money the close second in whatever it is you're thinking about that involves money. So for me in business keeping money a close second means I don't wake up in the morning and think I want to make more money how do I get people to give me more money? I wake up in the morning and if I think, you know, I think I need to increase my income, I think, okay, how do I provide more service mm -hmm. that is worth what I'm hoping to get paid, right? Like, mm -hmm. so service has to come first in whatever you do. And if you, even if you work for somebody else, I want to get promoted simply wanting to get promoted is not how you do it. It's how do I make myself better at what I do so that I get promoted? 
And if you're great at what you do, how, how do I make myself visible? Because God knows I've worked with so many people who do more work than the people that get promoted simply because yeah. they do it quietly and they, they don't get the light shown on them. And they, in some cases, it's just systemic bias against women, people of color and so on. Mm-hmm. And then in some cases, it sort of is like the bias works the other way around. Like they've been told that they get treated a certain way. And so they don't stand up and like, look at me doing this amazing shit for your company the way that other guys are. And so they don't get as noticed. There was a great study about negotiating for salary. And it was an article. I can't remember where it was. It might've been in Jezebel, but it was written by a woman. And she's like, I negotiated for my salary like a man. And it worked. <laughs> like yeah. it turned out like it, like all I had to do was like talk to a couple men about how they negotiate for salaries. Next mm-hmm. job I went into, I negotiated my salary and it was just treated like a normal thing to do. And I got a higher salary. Yeah. So there's all these kinds of factors that, you know, are, are real. And unfortunately people either, they fall to extremes. You've got some people that are like, well, these factors are against me. I can't overcome them. So I'm screwed. And then you've got other people that are like, oh, those factors don't matter. You just go and are like, of course they matter. Like, of course these things are real, but those are the cards that you're dealt. How you play them is still important, you know? And that's all you can do. And, and, and some people get a shittier hand than others, and that's real. But you still have to play whatever you can play. So, I definitely think as a, as a woman and a person of color, for me, it's been, you know, I've been definitely been a workplace martyr at times. <laughs> and all often, I think why this is, would be good for everyone to read, but also people who have to read, it's like you can, you don't, now people are less concerned we talked about unlearning earlier. I think there was something ingrained in a lot of us growing up about we need the job more than the job needs us. And to keep your head down because you're one, you know, uh, you're worried about, you're just happy to be there. In a lot of cases with women and people of color, you're just happy to be there. And even though sometimes you end up doing more work, it's like sometimes people just don't want to speak up because they don't want to be you know, a quote unquote problem. And I went through that a little bit here when I first moved to LA and I noticed what I, what I started to do was before I gave myself like an education and some of this stuff, I, would, I was obsessively buying like money candles or pr- it's already set intention candles, right. you know, and getting really upset that, you know, sometimes I get a little extra here and there, but it didn't seem like anything was really working. And it was like every week is like, okay, I just, I just need this new opportunity. I need this job. I need someone. I was working at a, at a restaurant at the time before I have the job I have now. And there were tons of, um, and to what you said about people that make money, they're more than willing to talk to you. Yes. There were really successful people that would be like, well, let's not meet here. Let's meet on your day off and talk about what you actually want to do. So these opportunities would kind of appear. But I think that I focused, I had what you talk about, like kind of like weird desperation in a sense yeah. to where maybe I was kind of counteracting some of the stuff 
I was doing because I was convinced. I was like, okay, I'm setting my intention, quote unquote, I manifest this. I got the candle, seven days. I'm going to get, you know, I'm out of here and I'm never making coffee again. <laughs> it's just like ridiculous, you know? And um, I don't know. I think that, yeah, the I think the right approach is necessary. I just said that to, you know. No, um, it's it's a good story and it's 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 a true story. People they you know it's it's like that old joke about like the flood is coming and the 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 evacuation notice comes and a guy knocks on the door and says we're evacuating and the guy says no 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 god will save me and then the boat comes and he's like, we got to get you out of here, man. The waters are going to keep rising. He's like, no, no, no. God will save me. And then finally, the guy's on the roof of his house. A helicopter comes. He's like, grab on. We got to go now. And he's like, God will save me. And then, of course, he drowns. Mm -hmm. And he's like, God, why didn't you save me? And God's like, uh, guy <laughs> evacuating you. Boat, helicopter. <laughs> what more do you want? Yeah. And so with magic, there is this sort of... we. People will throw hours and hours and 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 insane amounts of, of money at the magic aspect of improving their financial life or for that matter their love life or anything else. Mm -hmm. But that magic needs something to grab, you know? That magic needs a little something to grab. It's like, work with me here, people. <laughs> like, work with me. You know, so when it comes to the money thing, I always tell people, make a plan that will work with, that could work without magic. And then use magic to make that plan work even better. Like, make sure it works. Because otherwise, it's just sort of like, I'm going to manifest something. And it's just going to come and lift me out of here. And I've, I've been there. Yeah. And it was really only when I decided to make a plan that would work, that could work without magic's involvement and started throwing magic at that, that the magic was like, okay, now I have something to improve your chances on. Like if we think of magic as improving our, our probability, right? Right the chances of something happening. If there's nothing for it to grab onto and improve the chances of other than like a lottery ticket, then it's not going to, it's not going to do for us what it could do. So hundred percent, you know, and, and the desperation is unfortunately also just a killer. It makes things manifest all wonky when we're yes. desperate and and it also drives people away from us when we're desperate like if you go to a job interview and you seem like you're super super desperate you don't get hired if yeah. your business is going out right and you're like i throwing it out there on social media or putting a sign up like we are about to close save the save the empire like we're we're going out of business and yeah, people will probably throw a few bucks that week and then that's it. You'll never see them again because yeah. no one wants to deal with this, that desperation. 
So you kind of have to take a step back and decide what's the, what am I changing? How am I pivoting or am I just shutting this down and doing something else? Real, you know, people, real smart people quit things all the time and go do something else. (laughs) And so these kinds of things are, are super, super important. And, you know, the, uh, the manifesting just enough to get by. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever had the experience where like you'll do the candle to manifest some money and then money comes in and then something else comes up where that money has to go now. Like you'll get an unforeseen expense. Yes. Yeah. All the, yeah. So that happens to everybody. It happens to me. It happened to me. And so there's two things going on. One thing is it's not necessarily a bad thing because what can happen is that your spirits, your magic, etc., is actually holding back some disasters that you can't deal with until you can deal with them. And so, yeah, you manifest this amount of money and then that dam breaks and it's like, we've been holding this shit back for a year, right? but <laughs> now your car is going to die. Yeah. Cause it's been, it's been held together with like magical duct tape. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you need a real repair. So that's one thing that, that can happen. But the other thing is St. Cyprian once once told me, because I complained about this problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's like, start doing monthly enchantments for the amount of money left after all expenses are paid. That's mm-hmm. it. That's the only difference in the magic you need to do. Just change the intent change the the framing so that you have 30% more at the end of next month after all expenses are taken care of. Hmm. And don't you know it worked? I started that was when I started to build, you know, the bank account started getting like bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger because it was starting to get filled with money that wasn't instantly earmarked for somewhere else. And so it's a there's a very big difference in the magic you do to keep a status quo, the magic you do to fix things that are broken versus the magic to build something that is not already there. It's a it's a total different mindset, total different game changer. And it's hard to move from one mindset to another. It's hard to move from one type of action to another. It's hard to even think about yourself in that way. Yeah. But once you start doing it, there's no turning back. I think that's where a lot of people that, a lot of people get it, you know, like I said, wrong, maybe in a sense that we're maybe doing it wrong and. But I did notice, and it really, honestly, back to, I can't believe we talked about Elizabeth Gilbert so much, but it was, you know, someone, I kept asking for an opportunity. I was like, why am I not getting a job? I'm talking to all these people that have power, have, have power to hire me every day. And, you know, why aren't they, you know, and I'm, I'm doing the candles. I'm asking, you know, uh, petitioning angels. I'm doing all this stuff. <laughs> Then a gentleman that I did see every day gave me a book about creativity. And he was like, I feel like you want to be an artist or you want to do something. You're just not letting yourself. Right. So 
you know, now looking back on it, like three years later, it's like, oh, those were like, again, like the little hints, you know, in the right direction. And for me, yeah, you know, the, I, I guess directing intention and directing your magic, I guess, in the, in the right direction is so important and being specific, I guess, being specific and having realistic, you talk about realistic expectations and you really lined out. The thing is people don't look as, look at magic as something that's, that makes like, that makes any sense or that can be reasonable. And what you lined out in the book is very attainable, very grounded is the word that I was looking for. It's very grounded and it's not some, you know, clap your hands three times. You know, you know what I mean? What people, what a, a perception, what the public or the people that aren't involved in magic's perception would be of trying to create wealth, long-term wealth. Um, and I'm so glad you mentioned uh, St. Cyprian. I, I've been working with, I, I, so this is like my area, my new area of interest. I do have an obsession with saints for some reason. And I had no idea there was a saint that, was that converted and you wrote an entire book uh, you've written about him extensively and I'm curious like how did that come about would you tell tell us a little bit about about that yeah so um I first heard about Saint Cyprian a friend of mine went to Peru and came back with an amulet uh jar these these are they're pretty typical throughout central america and, and and uh south america they're they're jars that are usually done in vials mm -hmm. they're almost always like medicine vials or vaccine vials that get used and then different shaman and and sorcerers and corenderos pick them up and and fill them and it's got all these different good luck things in it. And one of them was a soapstone image of a saint. And in this case, mm -hmm. it was St. Cyprian. And my friend chose this one because he said, this is the patron saint of sorcerers. And I was like, what? Patron yeah, exactly. saint of sorcerers? What? So I started to do a little investigation and... This is before the whole Cyprian revival kind mm -hmm. of, or, or you know, I shouldn't call it a revival. The whole Cyprian craze started. But what I started to realize is that Cyprian is a really big thing outside the English speaking world. So mm -hmm. like people in Sweden and in Norway, they had Cyprianus books, like all the magic books talk about St. Cyprian, right? And then you get south to the Iberian Peninsula in Spain and in Portugal and uh, in, in the Balkans and St. Cyprian there too. Incredibly important, all these Cyprian magical books. And then you come over to the New World and not only are there the books of the magic that purported to be done by St. Cyprian, but St. Cyprian himself gets called upon as this mediating force. So for instance, San Pedro shaman 
set up these immense mesas where there's a, a, a white side, a right side and a left side. And St. Cyprian is in the middle, kind of mitigating that. So he is standing between the Christian and the satanic, and, and he's standing between the pagan and the Christian, and he's standing between the living and the dead. And so I started to become a little obsessed with St. Cyprian. So I, I got a statue and I uh, learned some traditional prayers to St. Cyprian. And I sat down and wrote an article about St. Cyprian back in 2006 that got picked up. It was in Buhutet magazine. And then it got published in the cauldron in the UK. And then I got in touch with Conjurman Ali who wrote, one of the first little books in English about St. Cyprian. And we compared notes and, and I would have to say he gave me more notes than I gave him for sure. And then all this stuff started to appear in English. Uh, Jose Liecho, or sorry, yeah. Uh, Hadean Press run by my friend Urs published the first English translation of a Cyprianic grimoire. and. I started getting all this stuff directly from spirits and, and he sort of gave me a different view of how to work with the spirits of the grimoires. And it just took off from there. And St. Cyprian made himself known fast and, and, and big. And now there are, he's an immense force in the Western occult world. He, and, and I get that. I got the vibe from that when I said I got really excited about it I because I my, my practice has changed a little bit because I felt like and no I know people like to I'm not making any kind of disparaging remarks but I will say that it is it's been easier to work with the spirits that have gone on ancestral spirits saints than it is to work with angels <laughs> and I learned that. I don't know why. Like, I just started to start off that way. I just didn't know, you know, again, like, you know, um, and I have found that, like, the over the past summer, I was working with, I've worked with Santa Expedite a few times, and, you know, it, it worked. And, you know, I, I know angels work towards more long-term change. I don't know what your opinion is on that, but I definitely um, have switched over to learning more about, and I always felt led in that direction, but I just ignored it. And I think also too, that's like the deprogramming of uh, getting the, you know, Christian religious stuff out of your system, you know, and kind of being open to other, other, you know, entities, deities that saints that might be of help, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting. There, There's what I call the Saint Angel Loop. Mm -hmm. And so if you go to a Catholic gift store and you, you buy a card of a saint, right? It'll have the mm -hmm. prayer of the saint. What does it say at the very bottom? Or even if it's the only thing on the card or the medal, it'll say Oro Pro Nobis, or it'll say Rega Por Nostros, mm -hmm. pray for us right? Mm -hmm. So what are we asking of the saints? Mm -hmm. Intercede for us between us and heaven. Like yes. some people from the pagan community will look at saints and kind of be like, like, I don't, I don't get it. Why would you turn to this being that looks like they're suffering instead of like mm -hmm. Zeus, who's all like hot bod and lightning mm -hmm. and all these powerful things. 
And it is precisely because of the suffering of the mm. saints that makes them important and powerful for us who suffer. They understand the, the plight of mankind. And so they become intercessionary spirits, right? Pray for us. Yes. So we yeah. send that message up with the saints. But if you also tack on an angel, what do the angels do? The angels carry out the will of heaven. Yes. So we've got this saint angel loop. Ask the saint. The saint conveys it up to heaven. Also ask the angel because the angel is carrying things out from heaven. You yes. see the loop up mm -hmm. and down. And so it will actually start to expedite the way that the angels manifest things. Mm -hmm. If you also work with a saint, who are some of your favorite saints to work with? Well, I just worked with Saint Expedite. I really, I felt a real kinship to Saint uh, Padre Pio. <laughs> uh -huh. And I didn't Catholic. I, I don't know why. Um, and um, there is, and so those are mainly two right now. And then I also like St. Jude quite a bit, but St. Uh, Cyprian is the first saint that I've known that's really kind of had the, um, the, the new appeal to me. It's like, oh, well, this makes sense. Like this is the idea that, you know, that there was a, a saint that had a esoteric more than that knowledge and whatnot. But yeah, those are the most of the saints that, I, that I've worked with here. And this has only been in the past year by the way, this was something, this is totally brand new. I just never thought about, because I didn't grow up Catholic. I right. we were always taught the opposite that you don't need, you know, you don't need anybody to go to God for you, you know? <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. You know, yeah. So it's, it's a relatively, uh, and going to botanicas and stuff like that kind of thinking, okay, well maybe and being, you know, kind of interested in learning more about ATRs as well. It's been, right. you know, and kind of figuring out like I'm a history nerd. So the more that I've, that it's all been unfolding is, you know, kind of put me on that trajectory, but I've definitely felt, and I don't know if you can really consider, I guess people consider Christ and uh, ascended master, but I guess, you know, that energy as well. But yeah, so that's what I've been doing lately. And, you know, um, it's been, I feel like it's been working and, and having an actual altar, you know, and I think because I, I moved here first and really started to like, have like a, a, a try to have like some kind of practice yeah um that i've had to kind of again like learn again like unlearn and then learn some new things because essentially i was just like you know again like buying intention candles that were already set then realizing oh i don't need someone to set those intentions although sometimes you can find good things that people have created oh yeah yeah, you know, and I didn't, I didn't know that, you know, those are, it was just so, it was just kind of like learning as I go. And then I was just like, okay, it wasn't up until really the quarantine where I really just decided I had time. I was like, now I'm going to deep dive. I'm going to, you know, just deep dive into this and, you know, reading stuff instead of just like, again, like it was like, I was just taking like shots in the dark <laughs> spirituality in a sense. Um, but yeah, like with angel work and I, and like, everybody's like, Oh, you know, work with angels daily. It works long. It works. They work for you in the long term, Right. But I didn't even, you know, sig sigils are new to me as well too. But yeah. So those are really, it was like saying, working with St. X, but was really like the game changer because I really saw 
saw the results that I needed, not only financially, but just different things that I wanted. Like I said that, you know, I wanted to do the podcast, but I wasn't sure about it. And I said, well, and I had like a small list of initial guests that I wanted and they all said yes, which was, we had no audio. We had, (laughs) we didn't have an episode done and they just said yes. So phenomenal. Yes. And, you know, for, and I, and not to bring up Mitch again, but I didn't have any audio and he was just like, I just think what you're doing is cool. And he, you know, agreed to do podcasts on the third episode. So I think that again, what you were talking about with putting, putting something, giving them something to work with. Right. Right. Uh, And I think that's what I had to do is give them something, put my foot out there instead of just being like, okay, bring this thing into me and I'll work, you know, and I'll do my best to, you know, make the best of whatever I, you know, I'm going to be really good at it. If you just get it, give it to me instead of putting my foot out there. Right. Oh God. It's, it's a huge difference between going to the spirits or, or just doing magic and saying, you know, Oh, get me out of here. You know, give me wealth and, and, Mm -hmm. and make me, you know, happier and stuff like that versus I have this idea for a podcast Mm -hmm. or, or a show or a book Mm -hmm. or a, or a product or whatever it is, or even, you know, a a job. I want to be a hedge fund manager, whatever it is. It's, it's a huge difference if you go with that and you're like, okay, so this is what I want. Help me, help me do this. Mm -hmm. And honestly, everything, I just wrote a book about consorting with spirits and the joke throughout the book is that I keep saying just like it is with people throughout like every chapter is like, and like, if we look at this as if we were dealing with people and you think about even that, Mm -hmm. let's say you knew somebody who was, who was well off, right? Mm -hmm. If you, you know, and I did when I, you know, when I was younger, I, I, I would rub shoulders with a few people that were well off. And when I went to them, it was just like, how do you do it? But without any kind of like idea of what I wanted to do, just like rub some of your mojo on me. It was sort of like, well, uh, I guess, you know, like I do this, but that isn't necessarily what you want to do. And da 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 da. Whereas once I started to get an idea of what I wanted to do with my life, how I wanted to be of service to others and have that be the basis upon which I would get paid, then it was easy because then people would come out of the woodwork and be like, oh, well, you know, the way I do this is da-da-da-da-da. And and this, or this didn't work or Mm -hmm. or something like that. Like if you have a clue about your own life and where it's going, Mm -hmm. people will come out of the woodwork to help, like, like Mitch. Spirits will come out of the woodwork to help, like Expedite. It really is just you got to find that place where you're taking your own sovereignty back mm-hmm. and just being like, okay, I'm not shuffing this off on anybody else. It's mm-hmm. I I like to say there's a a big difference between blame and responsibility. And and so I like to say when I'm talking financial magic, and, and I did a, a YouTube free class for anyone financially stuck 
Right. Because I, I didn't want to take money from anyone financially stuck. So like when people are like, I need your courses, I'm completely financially broke. And I'm like, then you shouldn't spend money on a course. Right. Like take this instead. And so the way I started out is I tell everyone, look, consider yourself blameless for everything that has happened thus far. Blameness, mm-hmm. Blame is about who did something, right? You don't even get to pick the genes you inherit. So even if it was your decision, just let yourself go of the blame, right? Mm-hmm. But responsibility is about who's going to fix it. Who is going to determine the way forward? Doesn't mm-hmm. have to be the person that's to blame to take responsibility, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes nobody is to blame. Sometimes society is to blame. Sometimes a person is literally to blame. But the person who takes responsibility is the person who cares most about the outcome. And if it's your life, mm-hmm. that's you. <laughs> like every time it's it's got to be you. Right. And so when you decide, all right, for better or for worse, I got to take the reins of the ship mm-hmm. and steer it. All of a sudden, you get support staff. Yes. You you get support staff. They start to show up. And, mm-hmm. and if they don't, then maybe that's an indicator that your steering is off. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. I have known people that have taken my advice to take responsibility, to, to set their mind on something mm-hmm. and they set their mind on something that's like, well, I'll be blunt, something that's stupid, <laughs> like something right. like, well, what I really want to do is I'm going to self publish a book of poetry and I'm going to make millions. And I'm like, mm-hmm. no, that's not going to happen. <laughs> like, right. Or, you know, I'm going to, start flipping houses in like 2009 or 2008. It's like at the point that there's a show called flip this house, it's over. <laughs> so like people that jump onto like a bandwagon, that's already at its height. It's sort right. of like, no, you wanted to be one of the first three people, not, not at the peak. Right. I kind of feel like people using Robin hood to invest now is kind of reaching that peak where like, we're about ready for a crash. Right. So, you know, now is not the time I would be like, Oh, use the Robin hood app and start day trading. <laughs> but it's it. So you, you, once you get the thing, it really is a sign that, that, it could work because people start lining up spirits start lining up and, and you get for lack of a better word, a support staff. Yeah. Yeah. There it's a, uh, it's really incredible. And in my, <laughs> for anybody that's listening, it's super, I've, I've talked to, um, I mean, I've been in a couple of chats with, uh, Dr. Uh, Scott Barry Kaufman, and he talks a lot about potential with neurodiverse people and a neurodivergent. And I told him that, you know, nobody really talks about people with like myself and and people that are under that umbrella and spirituality and how hard it is sometimes for us to, so sometimes I can be hyper-focused and and today is kind of one of those days where I'm like hyper-focused on something and really how to distinguish and that from, you know, or how to balance that with spiritual practices and spirituality. But 
I think that in the beginning of this, in this, of this journey that I've been on, um, there was really a time where I was definitely interested. Like I started out years ago reading about, um, like Doreen Virtue and so I was so obsessed with like, you know, protecting psychic protection and uh, spiritualism and, um, not really. And then when I started to be like, okay, well, again, um, I'm a millennial. So I was talking to a friend about this the other day and he's like, yeah, now we're the adults. Now you're realizing we're the adults now. So there is that shift now where, like you were talking about, where it's like, okay, how can I do this long, create this long term? But I think that again, like taking shortcuts in a sense, like you said, and not really having realistic expectations is a huge, it's a huge problem for a lot of people, I think, um, because we do live in a world that, and I mean, I've been guilty of this. I've been on Instagram. I try to stay off Facebook, but it, everybody wants the illusion of perfection and getting everything right the first time and having everything put together without actually having to do that. And sometimes that, that, that's not very, that's not easy. And what I, what shifted for me was like when I started to engage with these, these saints and deities, I was just like, I, sometimes I would like freak out. I was like, okay, I didn't do this right. But then like just having, again, like building a relationship and being sincere, I felt like was a huge thing. And everything just kind of, you know, has been, uh, has turned a corner and I don't mean to ramble, but. Um, no, it's not. It's you, you just spoke an important truth about work with spirits. And I'll, I'll tell you, we're on the same wavelength. Like I said, I just finished a book about spirits and I did not include a chapter on shielding and protection. Mm -hmm. I, Instead, I included a chapter called Fear and Danger. Mm. And so there are in there a few short protection things, but I wrote a book about protection magic, right? Mm -hmm. But people will still be like, well, you gave this, but what about the protection? What about the protection? I need protection and shielding, shielding mm -hmm. and banishing, banishing and shielding. Yeah. And it's sort of like you got like, I, I call it the Excalibur problem. You you might be a little young, but when I was growing up, there was a movie in the 80s called Excalibur. It was about King mm -hmm. Arthur and the knights and, and Oh, yeah, whatnot. yeah. Was that the Sean Connery one? No, that's a different one. It was, it, yeah, so it was a little earlier than the Sean Connery one, although um, I do think Liam Neeson was in it, like a young Liam Neeson. Mm -hmm. okay. but, but what was weird about this movie is everybody, like, there, there was all this heavy armor, like everybody wore their heaviest jousting armor, right? Mm -hmm. But they wore it all the time. Like they'd sit down to eat in this gigantic armor. They'd, they'd screw in this armor. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. you know, they just take the cod piece off yeah. and then, and it's just sort of like, okay. So I call it the Excalibur problem because it's like, look, there's protection that you use for when stuff is sideways like stuff is going wrong you're under attack you're mm -hmm. you're or you're you're in a stock car race right so you're wearing the helmet you've got a roll cage but you don't need that kind of stuff to just drive to the grocery store you just need to see yeah. Yeah. And, and so people get so obsessed with protection that they actually close themselves off from the the world from the, the yes. spirit world they're like, why can't I see spirits? It's like, because you spent all morning banishing everything. 
exactly and and so like telling everything in the spirit world to screw off go away i you know mm-hmm. I'm, I'm afraid of you so dealing with fear and and having a reasonable amount of openness is really key to the whole thing and so you hit the nail right on the head you kind of got to let go of that that mm-hmm. that thing and lately it's been worse in the last 10 years or so. There's this trend of superstition in the magical community that Mm. was never really there to this extent before. Like people will literally, you'll find Amazon. I think somebody reviewed Devin Hunter's book and they gave it like a negative review because the book worked. It's Mm. like, Oh my God, this manifested a spirit. And now I don't know what to do. And I'm upset. So if you buy this book and do this work, it will actually work. And I wasn't prepared for that. And it's like, what? (laughs) Like, so yeah, people like they summon a spirit and the spirit shows up and then they freak out or they burn a candle and, Mm -hmm. or I have it in classes. I run these long classes like sorcery of Hecate and the black school Mm -hmm. of Cyprian. Mm -hmm. And they last for five months or seven months. Mm-hmm. And so over the course of those months, if a hundred people are in the class, well, somebody's going to get sick. Somebody's going to lose a job. Somebody, you know what I mean? Like, but people will think I joined this class and then this bad thing happened. It's obvious because Hecate is mad at me. Exactly. And it's like, no, it's just because yeah. you're crappy at your job. And, you know, speaking as someone who has been crappy at many, many jobs because I didn't really want those jobs and I was just doing them to get my business off the ground. Yeah. So, you know, it's just sort of like, yeah, it's just the normal thing that happens and you can't blame the spirits. Yeah. But yeah, like a normal part of, of, of spiritual growth. Like I remember being like, Oh, well, I forgot to do it on a Wednesday, you know? And like, Oh, you know, when the, Saints gonna be mad at me. They're gonna take out rage on me because I didn't get the right thing, or I don't have the right looking cup for the altar, and this and this and that, you know. And realizing that it may look different for me, but if as long as I'm, you know, have like that level of respect in what I'm doing, then it won't be perceived. Again, it's not, you know, these these spirits or forces aren't necessarily just waiting for me to make the slightest mistake or mishap or forget their name or something to punish me, you know. And- isn't it interesting that people will will actively work with spirits that they think are like this and they will put up with stuff that they would never put up with from a human. They would yeah. they would they will they will anticipate and expect a level of petty vengeance that they would never tolerate from a human being in their life. Yeah. yeah. And that, but they have this idea like that to be a witch or magician, this is what it entails, and is simply not the case. You know, there are there are taboos, there are rude things you can do, and there. But I always say these things are not usually mistakes; they're usually blatant. And sure, mm-hmm. if you make a promise to do something and you don't do it, mm-hmm. then I'm not saying there's no retribution ever. But it's mm-hmm. not like now your life is destroyed. Yes. But but people kind of have this idea where mm-hmm. I don't know, they, they get into magic and suddenly they are less able to handle the supernatural than like, you know, an ordinary person is. <laughs> right. 
(laughs) which is exactly the opposite of what should be happening. Yeah. I'm glad you said that. I feel so much better now that we've been talking about this. Um, Because it's definitely relatable. And I feel feel like a lot of people that are listening are going to feel like relieved by it. Because in convert, I mean, I'm sure you're in Facebook groups as well, where people freak out over the smallest thing or, you know, my door, my doorknob wasn't turning today. It felt like somebody had locked the door on me. And, you know, I couldn't get out and I finally did. And how do I get rid of it and open the windows when you sage? So, you know, or the spirits will be in the house, just all kinds of stuff. And, you know, I subscribed to a lot of that because I had this fear. But once I let go of it, you know, like you said, like, and and really tried to have some authenticity, you know, tried to get down to, I guess, what is authentic, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, like, like, did you get into magic to be worried about this kind of thing? Mm-hmm. And and you know the there's there's a like that's the negative end. There's a positive end too. Like people will reach out to a spirit, and they'll get the slightest good thing that happens, or the slightest I don't know brain fart, and be mm-hmm. like, ah, that is the goddess speaking to me, or that is the spirit mm-hmm. answering. And whether it is or whether it isn't, I always tell people like one of the reasons that I like to teach in courses even more than books is I want to get people locked into something where it's not just about having an experience. It's about having a deeper experience, one that is more profound, one that is actionable, one that actually means something as opposed to I did magic and something happened. Mm. Therefore, magic is real okay, that's cool if it's like your first three months into magic. But after that, it should be about like, what happened? Was it useful? Was it good? Did it mean anything? Like, and I, unfortunately, I see people spin their wheels Mm -hmm. without really trying Mm -hmm. to go deep. They go wider, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, I can imagine the spirits even being like, it's not us, it's you. (laughs) <laughs> many Definitely. times yeah like, don't... it's like it's you you know uh i didn't you know hide your keys yep you know <laughs> that's because you're you're running around and doing too many things that we let, we let the pace of this i feel like there's something to be said about we let the pace of this life and how we live in america like the you know we don't really take time just to just be um, and I feel like in the spiritual community, a lot of times everyone is focused on being out of the body. How are you? I'm, you know, I'm projecting, I'm, I'm on a different, you know, anything but being try. everyone's trying not to be on this plane of existence. And it's like, sometimes you're just supposed to just be, you know, I, I don't know. I, I'm no guru. I'm no expert, but that's just the conclusion that I've come to, you know, more than being present is so important and more important than, you know, trying to uh, play paranormal investigator every day very true so so well put yeah do you uh so what can you tell us a little bit tell uh, go through why you would suggest working with saint cyprian uh you know i i would recommend working with saint cyprian if you are if you are interested in magic first of all Mm-hmm. He, he'll he'll be useful in, in greasing the wheels of magic and changing the way that you do things mm-hmm. but also 
I would say if you have a place for Christianity mm-hmm. in your magic. Mm-hmm. And that that's that's kind of a big thing. When the Cyprian sort of popularity started, mm-hmm. a lot of people, I don't know, they wanted to be in, I guess, on whatever the popular thing was, right? Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the cool kids were into St. Cyprian. But they were not really hip to the idea that Christianity could be anything other than a toxic mess. Mm. And that that's valid. A lot of people have been hurt. A lot of people have been traumatized, right? And mm-hmm. so they shouldn't have to deal with Christianity. But but what they would do is they would try to make Saint Sip like de-Christianize him. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, well that was just pretend. That that was meaningless. He and and so I'm like, well, then he's not interesting anymore. You're just basically making him Merlin at that point. Like yeah. the whole point of St. Cyprian is that he is a Christian and a sorcerer. He's a bridge, you know, right? Yeah. For I mean, for Orthodox Christians, he's a sorcerer who became a Christian and is therefore excellent at undoing sorcery, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's he's excellent at fighting sorcery. And so is Justina. I, I personally think Justina is even better for protection wow. and, and magical unwinding. Mm-hmm. Uh, because after all, who, you know, who won? Like Cyprian tried to to mojo Justina and Justina would fling it off with the sign of the cross, you know? Yeah. So that's that's that aspect of it. But if you if you have this place where you want an esoteric Christianity, a magical Christianity, mm-hmm. a mystical Christianity mm-hmm. that can interact or even one that just interacts with the rest of the Christian world, even if you yourself aren't Christian, St. Cyprian can be useful. There, There's one uh, shaman in in. I don't think it's Peru. It might be Argentina. I'm not sure. But he actually had a pact with the devil Mm -hmm. uh, from early on. And part of that pact was that he would have no saints on his mesa. Mm -hmm. Except for St. Cyprian. Mm. St. Cyprian could operate in hell and, and bridge that gap between him and other shaman who do work with saints and with Christ and so on. Mm. So St. Cyprian will absolutely start unlocking magic for you in Mm. that way. And so much of the Western occult tradition, be it folk magic or ceremonial magic Mm. is the magic of Christianity Mm -hmm. and what was before Christianity preserved under it. So it's a powerful thing in that respect. Wow. I'm going to definitely think about doing that for sure. Or, you know, and I feel like sometimes two people want to are interested in working with people. I find too that there have been a couple of times with some saints, I didn't know anything about them or anything, but I felt like if, if, if someone comes into your consciousness a lot, then I know that maybe that there may be something, there's something there. Right. Right. 
and that's how I measure it now instead of just being like, oh, well, you know, here, this looks kind of, <laughs> let's see what happens. Um, but yeah, uh, that I'm already very intrigued and interested to read about that this weekend. Is there, so you're going to start a class about Jupiter and Juno, correct? So pretty soon. Yep. That's really exciting. So you're doing that course, but right now you have a Hecate course? Oh, I have so many courses going okay. on. Uh, all my Hecate course cycles are sort of in in like the first third. So at the moment, they're, they're closed until the next cycle opens up this summer. Mm -hmm. uh, but Sorcery of Hecate is a seven-month deep training in a system of magic specific to her. And then for people that love that, there's a, a, a second part and a third part. Mm -hmm. So for people that do it all, it's like a year and a half of, of deep training in a system of magic where mm -hmm. the advantage is they'll know what everything means and how to do everything uh, with no guesswork, no putting things together. It's, okay. it's laid out. This is what you do. This is how you do it. And this is how you use it. And then mm -hmm. there's the Black School of St. Cyprian. Mm -hmm. where that's a two-part class and that just started. So if people jumped on mm -hmm. strategicsorcery.net and they wanted to get in on that, I'll probably accept late people for another few weeks. Mm -hmm. Then I've got the strategic sorcery course, which is an email course. It just starts whenever you want. I've got a meditation course called Take Back Your Mind that I decided to make free at the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, mm -hmm. It was a $300 course, and I kind of felt like I needed to do something for people mm -hmm. that would be useful. And I decided that the best route, I, I have kind of a, a philosophy of full price or free. Right. Like I don't like sales and discounts and that mm -hmm. kind of like weird, like buy now and get this for X amount off. And right. this class usually costs, you know, $90,000, but today you can get it for just $89.99. Um, so like this kind of thing. So I just thought while the pandemic is raging and, and people will be undergoing all sorts of uh, mental upheavals i'll make i'll make take back your mind free so that's that's up on the site and yeah well we thank you for doing this today and this was such a laid-back conversation it was it was heady but it was it was a comfortable like a just really chill conversation that was really interesting so yeah i like i like a laid-back conversation yeah it's not a, it was a, not super intense, but it was really good. Okay. Well, we appreciate it. And we thank you for coming on the podcast.